Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. You needed to say anything this week. <laughs> no. Well, I'm 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 basking at the moment in the afterglow because I've I've caught a mouse. I've ca- You've caught a mouse. I've caught a mouse this morning, um, which makes me more used than our dog. I tell you, um, who's who's just not asked at all about anything. Mouses. <laughs> anything. Other other dogs that go by make her hysterical. Uh, nothing much else does really. Animal, vegetable, or mineral bothers her. Um, so she's hopeless as a mouser. Never get a French bulldog as a mouser. Top top tips. I don't think anybody ever has. <laughs> try, try a cat. <laughs> I think you're on a list of one there. <laughs> Maybe they're not French mice. I don't know. She's not bothered anyway. Um, but so, how did you catch a mouse? Because this, I'm intrigued by. Oh, I bought bought a trap on Amazon. Oh, oh it's all right. I thought you'd you'd sat quietly by the door. Oh, you've got visions of me like one of these Victorian butterfly collectors, haven't you? Hanging from the <laughs> hanging from the roof of the big. <laughs> Big, With your mouse net, big net, <laughs> and a pith hat and shorts. No, no, I bought a trap on Amazon, but not one of those snappy, you know, break its neck traps. One of those nice, pleasant. Put peanut butter in it and wait for it to crawl in, and then clunk, and it, you know, it's trapped. But but and then what did you do with mainly it? So, well, I'd heard this rumor that if I went and let it out on the green, it'd be back in the house before you could say knife. Well, probably before you were. Yeah, before I was. Well, easily before I was. Um, so I put it in the car, took it for a little drive. <laughs> I I left it in the uh, trap. I didn't sort of put it on, yeah. put it on the seat looking out or anything. You know, I did. Well, it would have struggled with the seat belt, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would, yeah. <laughs> and I'd needed a bit, a bit of, uh, you know, what's the needed word? Needed a booster. A booster. I would, it would have needed a substantial booster to see out. But so I drove it to the next village, and then you know, very carefully, because we've a lot of red kites round here. Um, I even wrote a song about one, and. Uh, so if you just sort of let them out, 
in the street, they're uh, they're probably good for about twenty seconds before something swoops down and has them for for breakfast. So I tucked it under a hedgerow. I wished it luck. You know, obviously I made it one of those little packed lunches that are are wrapped in a very small hanky and put on a cocktail stick. (laughs) Then I wished it luck and off it went. (laughs) Gave it a few quid. (laughs) Pointed it in the direction of a bus stop. Don't spend that in a dodgy club. (laughs) No, no, that should last you for a week if you're careful. Exactly. And I've done a similar thing with my son this morning because uh, I've got to I've got to run straight from the studio today and pick up uh, the Duchess from Heathrow. Um, and so um, I can't pick vibes up today from his school bus. So I've got Davinda, who normally takes me to Heathrow when I go off on jaunts. Um the vendor from A to B cabs Brackley, who is a good man. Uh, yes. Bit dodgy, but a good sense of humour. And uh, he's going to go and pick vibes up in Middleton Sheeney uh, at five. And uh, and he, I've remembered to give him a key and 20 quid for the taxi. Then I had to go to Tesco's and get some chicken nuggets for his tea then I came home took a mouse to the next village uh, and here I am <laughs> basking in the, the sweet the sweet reflection of, of a success of a mouse caught and wondering how many more we've got in the house it would be interesting to see if it was just a one off or whether he's a starter for ten would you believe I've spent the last 15 minutes yeah. uh, assembling questions for today's episode and what I should have done yeah. is just waited. Yeah, well, you did. Listen to your first paragraph <laughs> and then examine that in, in, in far more detail. <laughs> well, you can always examine my paragraph, Anthony. Well, I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving the fact that you have an A to B cabs Brackley. Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, as they clearly knew they weren't the first to use that name, but we're going to use it anyway. Yes. Yes, he used it anyway. I don't think he's given to wild flights of imagination. <laughs> he's not the creative type. <laughs> well, I think his, cre- his creative uh, talents lie in other areas. Let's put it that right. way. Right, right. Okay. And obviously, that. so how long has, has, has the Duchess been away? Uh, for a week. Yeah, for a week. She's been... Uh, in Denmark, visiting her dad and having girlfriends around and whatnot. So, I mean, she's got to go and see her dad. Uh, poor old Sonny, he's sort of fading away a bit now. He doesn't really remember much. He doesn't know who... He's got a picture on his wall in his room of his own mum and dad that's always been there the whole time he's lived there. And he was asking Lynette who they were. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Who, who are they? Well, that's your dad. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's cruel, isn't it? It is. It is. It's uh, It's like you just slowly return to air, you know, one way or another. Either your mind goes first and your body follows, 
Or your body goes first, you know, and your mind has no choice. He's a lovely bloke. It's such a shame that, you know, we couldn't have just brought him over here and moved him in, but he wasn't having that. He's, he's, I mean, he wouldn't want to live in England anyway. No. Any more okay. than I do. <laughs> well, especially with your infestation. <laughs> to quote Bob Marley, across yeah. the nation. Stop the mouse. Rishi will have that on a podium before you know it. Yes. Yes, keep them out. Keep them out. Fortress England. Yes, we built those walls thick and then realised we couldn't get out ourselves. Anyway, mm. welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, lovely to see you. Yes, and you. It seems like it's been a long time, but it hasn't really, I know. It? It's not even been a week. Yeah. Well, it was uh, well. It's, no, it was a week because it was Tuesday last week when we spoke to Mike, wasn't it? The captain, Captain Hunter, at the controls. Yes, at the controls on the flight deck. Yes, and, and those episodes went down really well. Well, I should bloody hope so. I mean, it's gold we're handing out here, Anthony. I mean, it is. You know, it is. I mean, it's gold when we when we just sit here and blether. But I mean, when we actually have content. It's it's gold plated gold. Oh, those seven weeks out of fifty two. There's this week's title. <laughs> oh, see, I think it's got to be mouse related. <laughs> I mean, just the picture of you with a mouse on a booster in your car. Yeah, with it looking out, thinking to itself, <laughs> looking out of the window. Bloody hell, this is a long walk back. Thought bubble. <laughs> Thought bubble. <laughs> When you said that, I didn't think of Thought Bubble. I thought you'd named the mouse Bubble. <laughs> oh, Thought Bubble. Thought Bubble. <laughs> Bubble's not a bad name for a mouse. If there was two, the other one would have to be called Squeak, wouldn't it? Squeak, yeah. <laughs> I think that's already been done. That might be a throwback to something that's already been done, or a dream. Or a dream. Um, before we start, a couple of bits of housekeeping. Firstly, I need to say thank you to the lovely Anne-Marie Forker. Uh, and I believe the words "the lovely" have to be inserted before her name by law. Actually, yep, I would completely agree with that. And I would say it's always worth thanking her every morning over your coffee. Yes, uh, just because just for being. Mm. Well, she she pinged me completely unprompted. She pinged me a photo she'd taken of of uh, the two of us uh, backstage at the roundhouse. Mm. Uh, and it's a lovely photo. It's a really lovely photo. It is. It makes you look taller than me, but apart from that, it's lovely. I, I it's know, lovely. I, know, I don't know how it's, she did it. strange? <laughs> how the hell did she manage that? I don't know. I just don't. You... It made you look so, far more sober than you were. <laughs> it's not all doom and gloom, then. No, no, she did a very good job. She looked particularly lucid. <laughs> Yeah, she, she's very good at capturing a fleeting moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I tell you on that night, that was a fleeting moment. Um, <laughs> but it's a lovely photo, so thank you, Amber. And, and the reason, the only reason I mention it is because actually there are only, as far as I'm aware, there are only two photos of you and me. Really? Outside of, say, uh, the Oxford, if somebody's got a snip of uh, the Oxford uh, video. Oh, yeah. In, in existence. And that's that one where you and I were sat in your lounge when we did the... Uh, couch in the core blimey trousers. In the core blimey trousers. Well, I'm looking out the window and you're reading 
uh, wee bit poetry. Um, and that one that Amory sent. So thank you, Amory. That's really nice. Mm-hmm. Really nice. Uh, the other person I need to shout out to is Roger Harvey. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's not the guy who Mr. wrote Men. Mr. Men. <laughs> no, I was thinking that. Yeah. Yeah, because that's Harvey. It's not him. Oh, um, God, yes, so it's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went there first. I was there, but I just didn't say it. And it's also not my, my old games teacher because he was called Peter and he's dead. He wasn't called Mr. Tickle then, your old games <laughs> no, teacher. No. That's just as well. Which I think would be a little bit. That'd be a warning sign, wouldn't it? The bells would go off if that was the name of your PE teacher in 2024. <laughs> Pull it back. Mr. Fondle. Pull it, Pull it, Mr. Fondle. That's a good name. Freddie Fondle. <laughs> Freddie Fondle would not be a good name for a PE teacher in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> You wouldn't even bother doing your DBS check, would you? It just wouldn't be worth it. Come on, pull it back, Anthony. So you, I'm going to pull you, it back. You, I'm going to pull it back. So, so Roger, Roger Harvey. Roger, it was, so Roger found yeah. five pages of handwritten notes that were published in the web um, before it was the big flashy web that it is now, the, the smaller white kind of Yeah, web. yeah, I remember it well. Um, which is your um, thoughts, your handwritten thoughts on your 100 gig. Oh, Wow, I don't remember that. Now, do you remember if that worked its way into the diary? Because the reason why Roger sent it to us was he wondered whether you wanted to read it out. I will read it out. I'm I'm almost certain it's not in the diary because my 100th gig was... Yeah. Oh, now this is ringing a distant bell. Was I in Canada? I was in North America I'm... somewhere. I might have been in London, Ontario or somewhere mad like that. And uh, And... I think somebody turned around and said, do you realise this is our 100th show together? And I think we were still on the season's end tour at that point. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure if there's anything in the diary that goes that far back. It was night. No, it won't it be. Started, if it's season's end, it starts in holidays, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it starts in Iceland, doesn't it, in the making of the dry land video. And um, yeah. I think that's just about the first thing in there, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll certainly read that out if Roger has it. Well, he very kindly sent me some photos, so I'll send them over to you and see if we can decipher them enough to read it out from there. Cool. And if not, we'll have to try and find another way of getting the text. Cool, cool. Uh, so hence the reason why I'm thanking, thanking Roger. Well, stay tuned for that, folks. It's gonna, it's yes. coming up. Have you got anything for this week, by the way? Is there? Have you found a? I'm sure I can find something, but I mean, I I can do that if you if you don't mess well, about. I'll, I'll ping it over and we'll see if we can make that work for this week. All right. Uh, so huge thanks, Roger, because I only sort of I gave him a very quick thanks when he messaged me, but it's a very big thanks. So thank you very much. Okay. You're very kind for even thinking You're of it. You're just building up from the derisory thanks you gave earlier. I am basically yeah. yes. There's yeah. a little bit of apology it's, in there as well because it was a kind of a tar. Slight really. whiff of shame there. Uh, I, um, I sense yes. down the Zoom. Yeah. Uh, yes, no, I think you're probably right. Thanks for pointing it it's out. It right. uh, could have been between ourselves, <laughs> but thank you very much for, for verbalising that. I'm here to expose all. <laughs> I'm here for you, darling. <laughs> Did you see that wonderful <laughs> clip of Olivia Coleman the other day doing an interview where she dropped the C-bomb? No. Oh, oh, I'll send they you all do that, the actors. It's like a badge of honour, isn't it, the C-bomb? But on the back of our conversation, she she quoted Chaucer. 
Uh, there you go. The rape of uh, which the lot. I, I believe you said, didn't you? Yeah, I think that's why. I think that's why they kind of wear the sea bomb as a bit of a badge of honor. It shows that they've done a bit of the old stuff, you know. Mm. Mm. She was magnificent, but then Olivia Coleman is magnificent. She's, yeah, she's very unpretentious, and she? she's just what she is. That's she's nice. Fab. So before we get into the main body, and I do have a little bit of a plan for today, uh, I was going to ask you about rehearsals for Cruise to the Edge. Yes, I think we should. I think that's a good point well made. Yes, thank you. I think you shouldn't pull that off any longer. (laughs) Oh, well, that's answered the question. You can't leave it till you get on the plane, can you? Although I'm... Or the boat, even. I'm sure some people have. Um, No, no, I, I... I just it's gone it's going all right. Um Beggs is being a, a consummate bro. He arrived week one with having listened to everything, written all the parts out and dots and lines like a proper musician. Uh and then set about reading them and getting them wrong like a proper musician. <laughs> um and uh, and then over last weekend he um you know, he he crammed them, and now he's he's working without the dots and lines, um, working from memory and just trying to program his uh, his you know his mind and body, and that's coming along. I mean, it is quite a mammoth undertaking. I mean, it's not like our music's terribly simple, no, um, or straightforward. It is neither simple nor straightforward. Neither of those things. Like the members of the band, come to think of it. Um, and You said it. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, he's doing all right, bless him, and uh, he's digging in. Uh, he's a joy to have in the room, of course, because he's, 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 uh, he's Nick Beggs. Yeah, he's absolutely bonkers. He's a one-off. <laughs> Yeah, he's great. I mean, it's great to have someone who's kind of on my level, you know, on on the lovey level, can meet me, mm. um, can meet meet me and head on, on the uh, on the darling, lovely mm. level. Uh, I sense that because I sometimes feel a bit alone in the room on, on that level, you know. You're the you're. The, I would say within the band, you're at the furthest end of that scale. Shall I put it that way? Absolutely, I am. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a lot. It's lonely up there, at the furthest. If end it was of, a if it was a seesaw, you'd constantly be up in the air. It's lonely at the furthest end of the scale, Anthony. It is very lonely, <laughs> very very lonely. But, you're doing that thing that kids do, where there's definitely a, a heavier kid at the other end, and you're just swinging your feet because you want to go down, but there's no way you can make it happen. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you any other things that just flashed through my mind. <laughs> <laughs> on that scale by the way yeah. most lovely in the band assuming you are at the end yeah. you're at whatever is force nine on that particular yeah. scale yeah. where would you rank everybody else in loveliness loveliness uh well i would have to say steve rother is at zero um yes he doesn't have a, a, a loveliness gene no um i'd say mark's probably next um, tricky though with Mark because he's several people depending on whether he's had a drink or not. 
Uh, but if he hasn't had a drink, then there's not really any loveliness in him at all. You know, there's no no flouncing. No. Um, Mosley is becoming increasingly lovey. But, I mean, it's all relative. I mean, say, compared to Rothers, he's, lo- he's lovey, which isn't much. <laughs> um, then Pete is... Uh, Pete's probably next to me on the scale, but some distance down the seesaw. Yeah. You know, he's... Yeah, they're all the way away. Yeah, Pete... Uh, would Pete make it to the fulcrum? He might be... A- oh, I've got Pete on the fulcrum. I've got Pete in the middle of this particular seesaw. Yeah, he's on the fulcrum. Um, Swinging his legs. And I'm I'm up in the air and the rest of them are at various points on the other side of the Foot fulcrum. But but this week I've got Nick Beggs sat next to me. Uh, so, yeah. you know, this is a little bit it's, of... Because... <laughs> I can't believe you and I in sync there were doing a seesaw thing with our hands. <laughs> no other way to describe a seesaw. No other way to do it. No other way to do it. <laughs> it got a bit to you to me, though, didn't it? It, got a it bit, did get a bit got to a bit, you to me, didn't it? Hey, hey, got a comedy scouser. <laughs> oh, oh, which is it? Is it Harry Enfield or is it the Chuckle Brothers? <laughs> My sister knows one of the Chuckle Brothers. I've said this before, but I'll have to keep saying it. Whenever they're mentioned, I've got to just mention that our Sue knows. Well, knows the one that's still alive. Right. I, I don't know where you else you go with that. No, just... it's just a, just a fact, and let's leave it there. It's, but it's legendary. It's legendary, <laughs> isn't it? Let's be honest. To you, to me. Barry, Barry and what was the other one called? Barry Chuckle and... I mean, grief is like like Freddie Fondle. I mean, it's Freddie Fondle, Barry Chuckle, bubble and squeak, bubble and squeak. It's all happening this morning. It's all happening this morning. So it's going well with Nick then. Yeah, it is going well. I think that by the time we actually get on the boat, it'll be it'll be cracking. We'd get away with it now, but it's it's coming. It's coming along. Good, good. I was pleased about that. There is only one Petro Avers. And of course, um, because all of those baselines have come from Pete in the first place, um, all you can ever do is try and and get somewhere close to them. But you're never really going to own them because no. they're 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 his thing, and you know his playing is very of his own character, and so. You know, like McCartney or, or Chris Squire or, or whoever, um, people who who play. I mean, well, Rothers. You know, you you couldn't really play a Steve Rothery guitar solo. It just wouldn't quite sound like it. You you could learn no. it, you know, and do all of that, but it'd never be quite the same. You know, so really, it's it's to do with. I suppose we're a bunch of human beings, and uh, who each have a a, a very distinctive um, approach to what we do. And other people can can replace one of us, um, but it ain't gonna really sound quite right. I mean, if if God forbid one of us shuffled off the mortal coil, then the thing to do would be 
to, you know, establish a completely new approach. It wouldn't be to try and imitate whoever had gone before. But because Nick's um, just dropping into this, then he feels naturally on about to try and do what Pete does. And that's yeah. that's going to... You can only get so far into that, really. That's what I'm trying to say. But he's, he's, he's doing a great job, and it's lovely to have someone on the seesaw in the air with me. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. I think the two things I was going to say was, one, um, very, very impressed with the fact he's gone away, he's, he's written all the parts out, and then by the sounds of things, was, signed, was trying to almost play by sight reading, which seems an incredible task. Yeah. Um, so that hugely impressive, that. But the other thing I was going to say was, I'm sure Pete doesn't play them exactly how they were on the album now anyway no probably not no but he you know but he does what he does and it's his it's his thing it's his yes, thing and nobody else is going to be able to do that because no. it's, his, it's no. his character it's his you know spirit and body um do you know what i found out that you you may find interesting but i well, found it very interesting i found it out for myself first uh, which made me feel feel quite clever as well. Um, one of my favourite albums is an album called The Flat Earth by Thomas Dolby, and I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a great record, isn't it? I'm not, but I'm going to make myself oh, familiar with it. it's killer. Um, and um, the first song on there, which is kind of chimes as well a bit at the moment with what happened in Navalny, the first song is called Dissidents, and it starts with this amazing bass riff, uh, which is being played, I think, out of an, uh, out of an emulator sampler, and it goes It's really. Um, it's great. It's sonically, the whole album is a sonic masterpiece. Um, but I was listening to Too Shy Shy by The Goo, as, the goo. as Nick calls them. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> and before the chorus, there's a bass line that goes, doom, 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 doom. Before it goes, you're too shy, shy. And I thought, hang on a minute, hang on, who's nicked what from who there? Mm. And so uh, I got I got Wiki in, and of course the flat Earth was later. So yesterday I said to Nick, "Are you familiar with the flat Earth by Thomas Dolby?" And he looked at me with a grin and said, "Yeah, great record." And I said, "Do you know he nicked that baseline from you?" And he said, "He told me he had." So Thomas Dolby stole uh, the wonderful bass line that basically is the song Dissidents from the Flat Earth from none other than the goo. Now, that is an amazing story. That is. And, and funny enough, you know, while we've been talking, I've, I've got Thomas's Wikipedia page up mm. um, because I know very little about Thomas Dolby, actually. Um, but what I and I and you're going to tell me all these things because you'll know them all and I didn't. I didn't know he'd produced Prefab Sprout. Absolutely, 
he is the reason why that album sounds how it does, which is, again, sonically amazing. Um, there's a lot in it. In fact, Mike Hunter was playing me yesterday. Ah, a Thomas Dolby track. Oh, what's it called? What's it called? Oh, I can't remember. But it's it's not from uh, the Flat Earth. It's from, is it from the Golden Age of Wireless? I think it might be. And it starts with the same synth chord and not more or less the same synth sound as Desire As from um, Steve McQueen. So I think he's uh, he's not only produced the album, but he, he must have contributed a few odds and sods to it. Um, unless, of course, the um, the prefabs came up with it, showed it him, and he put it on his solo. <laughs> who, who can say? Well, it sounds like he's got previous. I do know a good story about Thomas Dobby and a payphone in America singing singing a song to Michael Jackson down the payphone. He was on tour and um, he was on a, he said he was on a tour bus somewhere and Michael Jackson's people had got in touch to ask him if he'd write a song for Jacko. So, of course, he told him to fuck off. Uh, no, of course he didn't. He, uh, he immediately thought, holy shit, what can I possibly write? Um, programmed a drum machine. I think he, I think he recorded it onto a cassette, and he said I ended up at the side of the road somewhere like on Route sixty six or something in a payphone because it was before mobiles, playing this this um, this this sequence on this cassette through a loudspeaker down down the phone to Michael Jackson whilst trying to sing on it in the background. Anyway, he said he didn't like it. He never used it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if that had ended up being something like Beat It, then that would have been (laughs) the greatest rock and roll story ever, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But he didn't like it. Apparently. Well, he probably couldn't hear it, to be fair. Well, the other things I've found out, because you've, you've sent me down a, a, a Thomas Dolby rabbit hole now. Well, it's a good, good um, hole to be down. Well, yes. He played keyboards on he- uh, on Heaven on Earth. Heaven is a Place on Earth by Belinda Carlisle. Oh, did he really? Now, I yeah. didn't know that. Wow. That's just unbelievable. The other thing as well, while we're talking about something, and I can see why he would do this, he also played keyboards on Def Leppard's album Pyromania, but he did it under an alias. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So there you are. I The so- amazing career of... Thomas I once saw him sat on his own, looking really lonely and dejected at the bar and, and the ship and the ship pub in Wardour Street. I remember sitting there looking at him, thinking, "Fuck, that's Thomas Dolby. I should go and say something." Of course, I never do yeah. at times. Like that. I just sit there and think, "Well, what would I say?" You know, Debbie Harry in the lift, Little Richard, Thomas Dolby at the bar. What are you going to say? Yeah. Uh, hello, you're Thomas Dolby, and he'll go, "Yeah, I know." And that'll be the end of it. Mm. Who are you? <laughs> now you see, when that moment came for me, I um I did say something because it was Paul Weller in a in a coffee shop in uh, Heathrow. Oh yeah, was was um, he nice? He was very nice oh, actually. That's lovely and, to hear. Um and the thing was, um I know that he'd worked with Aziz. 
So I said, oh, you know, just want to say hello. And we have a, a, a mutual friend. And we, we had a quick chat about that. Right. He asked about Aziz's well-being and this, that and the other. And, uh, and you know, we had two minutes. Long enough so he didn't get to the point where he was obviously bored. Yeah. Uh, and then and then wandered off. So, yeah. Yeah, that's what you want, isn't it? You don't want people staying until... You... There's always that point where you go, all right, off you go now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And some most people either go before that or or kind of in that moment and then there are just those other people that don't have whatever organ you need to have and just carry on and overstay their welcome and all of mm. that and mm. until it starts to get awkward because you don't know what else to say to them say no well just to somebody you don't know i mean that's the problem isn't it you're trying to force conversation with somebody actually other than them being famous you don't know yeah that's why I'm so bad at it. Mm. I'm, in fact, even if I've got common ground and there's something I could say, I don't. You right. know, I walked past Peter Gabriel in Bath about two years after he'd played me Red Rain in his own studio, and I still bottled it and didn't say hello to him. You know, and I could have gone, "Oh, hello, remember me? You played with me," and he'd have gone, "Oh, hello, how you doing?" But I just couldn't do it. I see. I I tend to in those situations where I pass somebody because I've spoken to so many people on various podcasts now, and when you speak to somebody for an hour, well, so when the one I do with Jason is one person, and we've done you know fifty, sixty of them, so you speak to somebody for an hour. Um, so in those moments, I do go back and say, oh, "Do you remember when we did that podcast?" Because they won't remember you by sight. So I do always uh, make a point of doing that. I think it's because I have made a, you know, in the past. I've made a very bad, nervous stab at talking to people that are famous and it's never gone well. And so if it had gone well the first time I ever tried, then maybe maybe I'd be a lot more relaxed doing it. But I can't remember who. There's been a few people, you know. Maybe I expected too much from them. Maybe I I looked at them and raised my eyebrows and, you know, by way of it, all right, uh, and got nothing back. Possibly because they hadn't seen me raise my eyebrows. <laughs> well, I think unless you Roger Moore, it's quite difficult to spot a raised eyebrow. Also, there's a lot of people who are a bit short-sighted, you know, in the yes. world. And you can yeah. give them, you know, you can give them a little subtle nod or something. They don't even, yeah. A, they don't see your nod. And even if they did, they wouldn't recognise you because they, they can't see you. You're just a blur. And so that can freak you out. That can put you off talking to people for life, you know. Mm. Anyway, well, I get that. Should we start the episode? You haven't said yeah, hello yeah, yet. So let's you? start. One, one nine eight, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> we are slowly getting to the point where you can go. You can do the introduction and 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 the end musical play just after it. What do you think is going to happen this it, week? Well, That's exactly what's going to happen this week. I think we're getting there, aren't we? Well, we are. I've checked the time. We're exactly at that point. <laughs> so I'll introduce it. We've done 35 minutes. I'm going to introduce it, and then we'll go straight to that music. Okay. That's the plan for the edit. Genius. Okay. Hello, and welcome to Chapter 198 of the Corona Diaries. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. We were only joking, there's a bit more.
100th show. Hello, young lovers. Hogarth here. Well, it fell to a small nightclub called Stages in Kitchener, Ontario, to have the dubious honour of being my 100th show with Marillion. We arrived, as usual, at around five in the afternoon on the 25th of June 1990 for soundcheck to discover a club where John Travolta would have been more comfortable than any of us. The stage was bulging at the seams at the strain of accommodating our equipment. Ian's drums were up in the air at the back on top of what had been a bar until our crew had made modifications. Fortunately, the optics were not in stock. Otherwise, the rhythm section might have become a little erratic towards the end of the evening. As so often happens on small stages, the on-stage sound was chaos, owing to the close proximity of drums, backline and players. Nonetheless, on such a festive occasion, we were all determined to make the evening special. We took to the stage at 10.45 to find a small but enthusiastic Monday evening crowd and the show went well, especially season's end, which featured an impromptu laser show, Care of Alan Parker, our lighting designer. However, during verse 2 of Hooks in You, there was a total power failure and everything stopped dead. The power returned almost immediately So I counted four and sang verse two again and we finished the song and bade the audience good night. The audience were going spare for an encore and we found ourselves backstage to be told by Privet that the PA was now only working on one side with no bass drivers at all. The sense of occasion prevailed and Steve and I returned to the stage to play after me. But when we took to the stage... The crowd was shouting for sugar mice, so we thought, why not, and ad-libbed through an acoustic version. It was around then the lights went out. We'd taken out a fuse. And so it was that we finished our 100th show of the tour with no lights and practically no sound. I even ended up making up a song about our predicament, which we played on the spot as it happened. We left the stage to find a round of Long Island iced teas in the dressing room, which were quickly consumed and put me in the mood for dancing. The DJ was playing Roundabout by Yes, which I haven't heard in years, so the crowd who stayed behind in the club watched in disbelief as I whirled around the dance floor, still wearing my wet stage clothes, dancing with whoever chose to join in. My last memory of the evening was that of signing the boot of someone's white Ford Mustang, which came complete with a back seat full of 12-inch speakers, blaring out the 12-inch mix of the uninvited guest. The North American tour through June was a great success and a great pleasure, and I must thank the kids who drove, sometimes for days, to come to the shows. Maybe we'll write you a song. Huge thanks also to our crew, who proved that they can make a Marillion show work anywhere from a bathroom to a stadium. Much love, H. And we're back. 
And actually, I was just saying to just saying to you, I've um, I've been and got a load of questions today from the uh, from the guest book, just because I thought we'd do a few random questions today, which we've clearly not needed. But we should we do one now? Just yeah, uh, you know, yeah. right? Okay, let's okay. let's get stuck in. All right, we'll go for one. We might get a couple in. Um, Tim Manning from South uh, Warwickshire. Um, lovely word, Warwickshire, isn't it? Yes. Yes, lovely. Yeah. Oh, Tim Tim Manning's quite a nice word. Oh, Tim Manning's a nice name. Well, Tim Manning from words. South Warwickshire. He sounds a, a, a genuinely nice fella. Yes, I wonder if he's a man of the cloth. He might we've be. Got, we've got a lot of vicars. We have? Well, 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 it feels like a lot. It's probably only two or three, isn't it? As he's listening to this and heard his name, he's probably out just doing a short journey to the next village to drop off a mouse. Yes, Yes, after a after a particularly taxing sermon. Mm. What's a taxing sermon look like compared with a non-taxing sermon? <laughs> well, you know, one you had to scratch your head a bit to write. Right. You know, it must be murder, mustn't it? Coming up with something every week. Hello, everybody. Have you ever thought about? Hmm. This reminds me of a parable that our Lord wrote, and you know that kind of thing. You mean the point after five minutes where you go, and this is very much like God? Yes. That's the bit, isn't it? Yes. The great Christian thinker Magnus Rasmussen once said, hmm, fresh paint. He did paint. mastermind, didn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. No, that's Magnussen. All right, OK. <laughs> I was trying to think of a kind of reformist Protestant from, you know, from northern Germany, but I guess... Yes, it wasn't very German. Though. And I have to say, I've never tried to think of a reformist Protestant from Northern Germany. It's never come well, up. Well, on the fly. <laughs> right, Pulling one me, out of the air. Let me go to Tim's question before we forget about that completely, yeah, yeah. having trailed it and not doing it. Let's leave Martin Luther alone and move swiftly back to Tim Manning, yes. who isn't a priest. Freddie Fondle, leave Martin Luther alone. <laughs> Right, yeah. how big is the guest list for an average Marillion gig? How much does it go up uh, for a big gig like the Royal Albert Hall show? And he does, he does say, I'm not after a freebie, I am just curious. Um, well, Steve Rotheridge is pretty blinking expansive. Uh, he usually has more guests than the rest of the band put together, which is either a sign of his generosity or a sign of the number of people he's trying to screw free stuff out of. Uh, in return, uh, if I was a cynic, I'd say somewhere between the two. Um, the the guest list usually depends on where our family are. So the Wolverhampton Civic guest list uh, gets a bit longer because of me, because you know I'm in the South Midlands, and it's relatively easy for um, Lynetta and Vibes and any of my local village folk, to get to that. Um, London is always insane because it's not as bad as it used to be, I don't think, but back in the days when we were signed to EMI, you know, when we, were, when we had a major record label, then they all have to come. You know, it's sort of almost in their terms of employment that they have to go to all the shows of the artists that are signed to their label, whether they want to be there or not. And so there'd always be a massive guest list for EMI, uh, you know, and maybe your publishers would be there. 
um, trying to show you some support in inverted commas. Um, but I think they just have to be there. Um, so in the old days, London was always insane because all the, all the music business would be there out in force. It's still pretty intense, uh, the London guest list. Um, yeah, the Albert Hall guest list, I imagine, was quite large because we were so chuffed to be doing it. Uh, we wanted all our family and friends to witness it, and they and they wanted to witness it too. So that that list was quite large, I think. Um, whereas, you know, if we're playing Norwich University there's probably nobody on the list because we don't know anybody in Norwich. Um, it, so it, it varies according to how many people we know in that town. London's always nuts. Wolverhampton's lively. Uh, places like York or Sheffield are usually lively with the Doncaster contingent. And Rothers has got a bit of family up in Bolton. So he might have quite a few in, you know, in Manchester um or what whatever anywhere sort of in the environs of of Bolton and then he's got his band of course the SRB and they 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 tend to turn up so steve steve has quite a lot um mosley has painfully few he has i think he's got about 3 friends in that uh, he goes back all the way with and He's got Roger and Jill. Um, they're, they're two of his closest friends. He's now got an, a friend called Mark Pardy, I think he is. And he's a, he's actually a, in America. He's, he's, a, he's a drummer and spends a lot of his time in um, Las Vegas, but sometimes comes over for shows. Um, so Ian's got... You can list Ian's friends on one, on one hand. Not, uh, not because... He hasn't got any friends just because he chooses not to have any friends. <laughs> he has a really very short list of people that he can stand to be anywhere near for very long. Um, you know, I'm not sure that list includes the band, to be honest. <laughs> but but he's got a really short list. And they come um, when they can. So he's usually not got any guests. Mark doesn't have that many... I mean, if we're playing Aylesbury, then it's busy because you know, then it's an Aylesbury band, so there's lots of there's lots of Aylesbury types hanging out. Uh, Pete's family and uh, maybe maybe more of Mark's family then around and Steve's Steve's neighbours and whatnot. Um, does that answer the question? Uh, the, the only thing I was going to add was the difference between the guest list and say um, people who've got an after-show ticket. So because some of that goes through on through Lucy, doesn't it? Um, there'll be there'll be fans with specific reasons, and you know who who will appear. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm sometimes at, at our after shows looking across the bar thinking, I wonder who that is. You'd think I'd know, really, wouldn't you? But um, well, that person's over there raising an eyebrow at you. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm giving them a hard stare back <laughs> just think, to take re- take revenge for all the fuckers that have done it to me. Think it to yourself, yeah. I wish I'd got my glasses on. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, this contact lens is <laughs> folded in half again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, why is, why is H over there looking like the bloody, um, <laughs> what was that mythical creature with one eye? Cyclops? Uh, Cyclops, yeah, what's H over there? <laughs> looking like Cyclops. <laughs> That's a title. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think that's a, a a good. I mean, you know, I mean, Aziz always tends to, you know, we mentioned once already today, but he tends to, you know, if if we're in Manchester, because for years that was the one I went to, uh, and Aziz would always be there, um, you know, coming to say hello, which is, um, you know, you get you, you. There's some people you see, like I mean, Phil Beaumont, I imagine, will appear at certain. That's probably a Manchester thing as well, isn't it? Yeah, Phil Phil rocks up sometimes. Um, Phil will always be welcome because you know he's 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 helped helped all of us out over the years with odds and sods. You know he's either sold things to us cheap or he's rocked up with a PA when we didn't have a PA. You know little gigs we've done, so uh, he's always welcome. Um, is it an interesting? I remember when we were signed to Hit and Run and Genesis were touring. At the height of their fame and wealth, I mean, they were earning zillions of pounds per second, and you couldn't you couldn't leave the house without hearing Phil Collins' voice, uh, you know, either on the radio or in a, in a shop or wherever, you know, it was just everywhere, um, everywhere on earth, not just everywhere in the UK, but everywhere, and um, I remember how stingy they were with the guest list. Um, but I guess they had to be because when that's like a, a, a double-edged sword that if you're really popular and you're all over the media and you're in the charts and you're on TV and everything, then the world and his wife wants to be on the guest list. All these people come out the woodwork. And um, we were signed to Hit and Run and we couldn't get on their list. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to pay. You know, they say, well, we can get you in, but you'll have to pay because they've had, you know, they just don't, they're not, they're not giving out any freebies for this tour. So everybody's got to pay. Um, I shouldn't imagine their mums and dads and brothers and sisters had to, but just about anyone who wasn't actual family had to buy a ticket because if they hadn't, there'd have been about 400 people on the guest list and it, it would have cost them 10 grand. Yeah, it's a fair point, isn't it? That, that at what point did all that kind of, like you say, that kind of industry contact thing, the kind of dotted line, where you might have people there from the label and this, that, and the other, and it's like, at what point do you, what point do you just say, do you know what, we don't, don't really need to do that. Well, just that we can't afford to do it because you know we'd lose so much across the tour. You mm. literally tens of thousands of pounds would would be lost in ticket income. Because we're so famous now that any you know everybody wants to be on the guest list. Um, it's a funny thing that whole thing with the with the music business, you know about the, the whole kind of hanging out thing. Oh, let's go and hang out. Um, you know, you don't go if you work in an office. You don't bring your mates to hang out. No. Do you? 
No. They don't kind of groove around in the corner of the, the, corner of the office <laughs> drinking, drinking cappuccinos or gins and tonics while you're on the phone trying to sell someone a, a printer or whatever you do for a living. But if you're in rock and roll, there's this feeling of, of hey, the whole thing's just a bit of fun, really. It's not work. It's not business. It's, it's a bit of fun. Let's go and hang out. Let's go and sit at the back while they're making their next record and just groove around. Yeah, see, I've never got that with a whole studio thing. Just never got it. Because I would have thought if there's going to be a tense moment in the life of a band, it's probably going to be in the studio. Mm. Well, I think it's quite an American thing. I think it's part of American rock and roll culture to kind of go and hang out or have a posse, man, that goes around and like a gang. That just hangs with you and, and tells you you're great. <laughs> but you know that that's kind of good up to a point. I mean, if I was doing a lead vocal and somebody was in the control room going, "You're great, Steve. You're the man. You're a genius." That would kind of be nice. But then I'd have Mike next to me going, "No, you're not. You're fucking rubbish." <laughs> so, <laughs> and who's this? And who's Who's the see you next Tuesday on the sofa behind me? Can we have them kicked out? <laughs> so, and whose idea was this digital modelling microphone? <laughs> no more digital modelling for me. <laughs> <laughs> he said and flounced out. <laughs> I remember my one of my most treasured Marillion memories is being <laughs> being backstage with you all at Stuttgart when I was oh, there yes. when I was the only one there right because for whatever reason why would you have a guest list probably in Stuttgart because it's not like there's probably anybody that any of you really know that were you know local and I just happened to be at Shaw's head office that was 20 miles down the road while you were playing right was that that Longhorn place yes it smells of sewage yes did it smell of sewage I can't it wasn't the thing I've got as as the most memorable part of the evening. <laughs> that doesn't mean it didn't. Maybe you blocked it out. You I mean, a it wave out. of of euphoria that blocked the sewage out. Well, we 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 all sat we sat for forty five minutes chatting about Brexit. You, oh, well, we you, would. You, you me, Pete and <laughs> Pete and Mark. Yeah. Um, but but if all but that's my that's my treasured one. Just because I just kind of stumbled, you know, stumbled, and you were all just sat there. Chilling after the show, right? And it was really, it was really nice. You, you got up in a, in a real kind of with real purpose at one point, just to get your electric toothbrush and clean your teeth. <laughs> well, you know, this is road life. It is. You've got to build up a good head of steam for that kind of thing. I think you were talking about pro- proroguing Parliament whilst whilst Oral B was on the go. <laughs> It won't have been that before anybody does a check and tells me that that wasn't at that point in time. But you did get up yeah. with a star and, 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 and clean your teeth. Don't you, don't you go letting truth get in the way of a, 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 good, of a good story. Good story, yeah, a yeah. giggle. A giggle. Right, well, should we call it a day for 198? Yes. Did you ask me that question? Oh, you did. It was about I did, yes. It was the guest's question. Yeah. Oh, there we are. Well, I thought I gave quite an expansive reply. It won't be true, obviously, but... but it was expansive. 
Oh, I think Tim will be very pleased with it. That'll be finding its way to a pulpit somewhere in South Warwickshire. <laughs> You've just beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting sad. We're thinking of the same punchlines now, aren't we? Yes, yeah, it's like a marriage, isn't it? We've been together too long. Haven't we? Too long. It is too long. I would look around for something different, but it's, this is easy now. It's all we're settled. <laughs> We'd have to sell the house. <laughs> to sell the house. <laughs> Who'd get the mouse? <laughs> the mouse is gone, baby. There's no more mouse. <laughs> oh, very pulp fiction. Zed's, Zed's dead. Zed's dead. Should have called the mouse of Zed. That would be quite a hard, <laughs> hard name for a mouse, wouldn't it? Oh, still my favourite scene in that film is when they're driving along, they go over the bump, and then he says something like, oh, Marv's just shot himself in the face, whatever it is, the line. <laughs> you just shot, yeah, you just shot down in you the face, Marv. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great movie. Go away and watch Pulp Fiction, people. Do yourself a treat. Stop what you're doing and watch Pulp Fiction. It is a great movie. It's a fantastic yeah. movie. Right, well, I'll see you for 199. All right, then. It's just one night. Uh, we're going to have to assemble a, ge- a guest for the big occasion, aren't I we? Know. I better get on that. Another bloody box I've got to tick. I know. Uh, yes, we better have somebody significant. It's no good just, you know. Well, now I've built it up, haven't I? Now I've got <laughs> you just to. made it a lot, lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> what about Tom Jones? Oh, oh yes. Beautiful singer. Jones the voice. Yes. Um, no, I don't. I don't know Tom. Man, I do know Jeffrey Hooper. He knows Tom, but Tom will tell me to fuck off if I invite me to, him to me podcast. He's probably ninety anyway. He probably just sat in a chair dribbling somewhere in a pair of leather trousers, isn't he? No, he's he's on the road. This he's oh, is touring. He? Oh, I'm sorry, Tom. I take that back. He's just he's just in a leather in leather trousers in a chair on the road dribbling. <laughs> <laughs> in an absorbent top right well better go okay off you I'll see you I'll see you soon Poodle pig. <laughs> never even never even built up to it's not unusual joke either we missed a trick there well we're still recording you can have a go at it if you like <laughs> there is a joke isn't there about Tom it's the doctor's one is it? Yeah, so and so goes and the doctor complains of I'm 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 always singing Tom Jones. Is that is you know, have you heard ah, of it before? Yeah. Oh yeah, well it's not unusual. There it is. Something like that. There it is. It's there, isn't it? Yeah. You murdered that joke, can't you? Yeah, well on that damp squib <laughs> It's all about <laughs> timing. Right. Toodle Pip then. See you next week. I'll just get on the phone to um the I Steadford. See if I can pull out the choir. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.